there's a new series coming to television. If you don't watch it, you could be making a grave error. Premiering Saturday at 11.30 on TV 29. So this is going to be a weird kind of show, but here's the deal. You and I got our hands on a copy of a 1988 episode of Friday the 13th, the series. We did, and we're going to check it out tonight on the Purple Stuff podcast. Yeah, this one is complete with commercials, and, and that's why we're really here. But we'll also talk about the show a little bit. You get a little bit of everything tonight try to capture that airing of the actual program yeah wow 1988 we were little kids back then yeah <laughs> this series friday 13th the series ran from uh 1987 through 1990 it was another one of those syndicated shows it had no set time or channel but around us at least it aired pretty late at night on the weekend definitely like random times too like sometimes it would like switch the time you know it was very uh kind of like plugging it anywhere wherever they had a gap throw it friday the 13th we're paying (laughs) 27 dollars an episode it was like an afterthought completely i was not a regular viewer back then i think you were because you have seen every tv show in history as it (laughs) happened i knew the show was on and i watched maybe the first few episodes and I realized like it had no correspondence with Friday the 13th, the movie franchise, or Jason Voorhees. I get it. I mean, at least from a kid's perspective, because even if you didn't necessarily watch the Friday the 13th movies all the time, and I know you did, you don't need to defend yourself. <laughs> he was still, he was a cool guy. Like on the playground, Jason was pretty cool. But I have to say, I really like this show based on this episode. Having the ability to watch it in the original context with, like you said, the ads and all that stuff makes it a lot better. But I think the intro is so good that it should just be introducing a much better show. (laughs) (laughs) The intro is fantastic. You're all right. Just to establish the, the plot. Basically, you have these cousins who inherit their dead uncle's antique shop. Dead uncle made a pact with the devil or something. And the whole antique shop is filled with cursed artifacts so in the intro you're like panning through this antique shop that's filled with all this crazy haunted shit a lot of the things have like these uh ancient curses on them and somebody stumbles upon it that's where the it's very i mean that's like it's just like it's total conjuring stuff oh it is very conjuring like yes what was the last Conjuring movie we saw? Was it that? That wasn't Lorona. That was the. It was the other one. No, Wait, it was Lorona. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, La Lorona. Yeah, and it, it, like the whole attic or whatever it was in La Lorona was essentially the opening sequence from the show. Yes, yes, it was very much like the closet uh, of the Warrens, where they keep all their trophies and things that they've rescued from these hauntings and and whatnot that are cursed so yeah that's totally uh similar vibe so uh you want to dive a little deeper into the specific episode yeah i think we should do that okay There's nothing like mother's love. She's such a bright child. Look at the color in those cheeks, Mark. But on Friday the 13th, this mother's love is deadly. 
We do what we have to do, and then Allison will be safe. Mommy Dearest made a deal with the devil. I, what is the curse? It's got to do something. Every time she takes a life, her dying daughter lives another day. Somebody knows. Somebody knows what we've been doing. Stop it! Another day of terror on Friday the 13th, the series, where the price of life is death next week. All right, so the name of this episode, Matt, is What a Mother Wouldn't Do. It was originally aired in 1988. And essentially, the plot is that a woman gets bad news from her doctor that she must abort her baby. Yeah, so she's got to save her baby. And it turns out that the only way she could do that is by buying a cursed wooden cradle from this antique shop. Yeah. And it'll keep the sick baby alive so long as she and her husband kill seven people in water before a certain date. It seems like that plot, how we told it, was a lot more smooth and cohesive (laughs) than than when you're watching it, because you really got to pick up the pieces watching the show. (laughs) It's true. You know, they really needed like the the dead uncle because the dead uncle appears at the top in a flashback. And it's like, you know, maybe don't cut away from the dead uncle before he describes what this cradle needs, because it's a real trip to try to figure out what the fuck's going on for a while. (laughs) Yeah, they have a cradle and the cradle keeps the baby alive. And they have to kill seven people, but they have to be killed in water. And I don't mean they have to be killed like in a pool of water. I just mean water needs to be present in some way. Yeah. I think somebody dies and like a fish tank is is leaking on him. And that counts. It definitely seems like they're trying to be almost like too metaphorical for their own good. The whole baby thing and the baby's like in a sack of fluid. Is that you think that's what they were going for? Well, because writers always try to be so metaphorical and artsy, and I think that's kind of what was behind their their minds here. See, I thought it was because the cursed cradle came from the Titanic. It was that too, yeah. But the, yeah, <laughs> in other news, <laughs> funny. But you're right. I mean, no reason it can't be two things. Yeah, let's let's go crazy. The star of this episode, Jay, this mother. Yeah. Come on. We got to give it up for uh, what's her what's her name? Lynn Cormack, because she is incredible in this episode. Seven people will be dead. And we can try to live with what we've done. This is your daughter's life we're talking about. What does it take to get through to you? We do what we have to do and then Allison will be safe. After we kill three more people. Keep your voice down. She kind of reminded me of... Uh, the Shining. It was almost like she was doing that whole gimmick. A little bit. I mean, like on the one hand, you have to have compassion for her because she's only killing people to try to save her baby, but she's so vampy. Oh, darling, if you really want to help my baby, all you have to do is die. <laughs> it's like it's crazy. She was way too over the top. I think. <laughs> I watched it again last night. I'm like, Jay's gonna hate this because. of the episode, you're hearing this baby cry, and the other 50% is this woman saying, my baby, over and over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) Not really your wheelhouse. (laughs) No, but you mentioned the uh, association to water. There's one scene where she hits the landlord with a candlestick. And she's supposed to drown the guy, but she kills him with the candlestick. So they give him a swirly and they put his head into the toilet bowl. (laughs) 
I can't believe that happened. It's like, how do they know that the curse is this loose? Like, did the dead uncle say, you don't really have to worry about the water too much? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, we could get deeper into how ridiculous this episode is. Well, we will. It seemed arbitrary how they were coming up with the script here and the rules. Oh. A little bit, a little bit. I mean, they were playing fast and loose, but I mean, it did just overall have that kind of tales from the dark side vibe, which I love. It absolutely did. So, uh, you want to start dipping into some of these commercials then? Yeah, let's do that. Sounds good. All right. Roger, what are you doing here? Me, Daddy. I just came to see Jessica and to have a Diet Coke. Diet Coke? She's a nut and fries a spoon loony. Diet Coke and Roger Rabbit at a theater near you. My first commercial was a Diet Coke commercial based on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It was uh, exactly like the movie where you had the mix of live action and animation. It was a huge deal. Really was, yeah. I mean, remember, this is 1988. We weren't even in the Batman era, barely into Ninja Turtles yet. So Roger didn't have a lot of competition. He was a big deal at that time. You hit the nail on the head there. It was a year before Batman, and that actually made me think of something. Kids are going to see Roger Rabbit. Kids are going to see Batman. Both of those movies were involved in commercials for Diet Coke. And I started to think, I'm like, why Why are they promoting Diet Coke to eight-year-old kids, you know? <laughs> what was the assumption there? Did they just feel like regular Coke had enough stroke already? Yeah, it could be that, but it just seems so weird. I kept thinking about it. I'm like, well, obviously, if they just had regular Coca-Cola Classic, it would work just as good. I have a theory that Roger's people and Batman's people were a little <laughs> kind of like sketched out by the whole idea of pitching soda to begin with. So they said, all right, we'll do it, but it's got to at least be diet. That's a good, that's, that's actually really legitimately a good uh, case to make. Uh, you could see it. I mean, <laughs> Batman, he's not going to pitch a sugary drink. <laughs> good oral hygiene chum. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. All right. So <laughs> Roger is at a nightclub uh, incognito watching his girl Jessica perform the Diet Coke jingle on stage. And he's got the Diet Coke in hand. He's chilling. Hearts are floating all around him. And obviously, we know that he's enamored by her. Like, she's up there singing to him. She could be singing tub thumping, and he'd still feel just as smitten <laughs> as anything. And then, of course, Eddie walks in and interrupts him and rips his hat off. Why was Bob Hoskins so upset with Roger? All he was doing was sitting at a table drinking Diet Coke. So Jessica blows Roger a kiss from the stage, and he catches it on his lips. And then uh, he uh, gulps down a can full of NutraSweet, which makes me think, well, if I'm not mistaken, NutraSweet is Matt's favorite artificial sweetener. Is that the pink one? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I fucking love the pink one. You can keep your baby blues and that hideous yellow. Give me all the pinks. <laughs> so what do you think of the commercial, Matt? 
Well, I guess my main thought was that this was from a time where people were a lot less aggravated by commercial tie-ins because, I mean, you'd never see one of like today's upstart Disney characters doing a direct hands-on pitch for Diet Coke. I mean, Jessica is singing a song about Diet Coke. Yes. Roger's drinking it. And they get like real live Bob Hoskins into the mix. Like this was all in on Diet Coke. Yeah, you're totally right. That would be like now, like the Mandalorian selling us like seven up or something. Exactly. It'd be like he just stopped, put put the baby down. And then the next thing you know, he's like just popping a seven up or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What's available now if one of our listeners wants to kind of immerse themselves this summer in Roger Rabbit. Let's say they didn't go through that era. Uh, and I have a recommendation. So I was oh. watching I was watching Disney Plus, and there's a show called Prop Culture. I've heard of it. And they did a show on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. The show is freaking phenomenal, right? They got Christopher Lloyd. He's getting interviewed. Really? And he, yeah, he they have him put on like the hat and cloak, and he Ooh. like becomes the character. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was so interesting. All these behind-the-scenes tidbits and all that. Oh, man. And he dips right back into Doom mode, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, man. The better I know. Not- <laughs> uh, that's a good recommendation, Jay. I got a million of them. Mm. <laughs> Introducing 7-Up Gold. Wow, thing. You make my heart sing. You make everything moving. Get a taste of the wild and unexpected new 7-Up Gold. Wow, thing. I think I love you. Well, since you kicked off with soda, I'll continue the uh, soda trend here, Jay. All right. Awesome. You see that one that they had for 7-Up Gold? Did I see it? Yeah, absolutely I did. I guess a better question is, did you believe it? <laughs> I, could, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was wild. Wild thing, actually. It yeah. debuted in 1987, the 7-Up Gold, and it lasted only through 1989. Not a big success by any stretch. No, definitely not. It uh, in in soda terms, it kind of came and went. Exactly. Yeah, it was this like darker reddish brown spin on Seven Up, and I was reading one of those soda wikis, and apparently the formula of Seven Up Gold came from an unused Dr Pepper recipe. I saw that. I read that as well. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah isn't that just so cool? Little soda trivia that you can pick up online i just love that i love that and what's even more interesting is the fact that back then dr pepper didn't do a lot of crazy flavors it was just dr pepper for like years i guess if you want to get some idea of the flavor a picture of mix between seven up and dr pep yes (laughs) this uh commercial here you got this super cool wacky dude and he's grocery shopping big seven up gold fan and i guess they're trying to imply that like if you buy seven up gold you're the life of the party. You're like the eccentric genius who dances around a grocery store and eats easy cheese before he pays for it. Yeah. And you become wild, basically, which is why they're using that song. Yeah. And this was before Major League did. So I guess 7-Up Gold was really responsible for that song's resurgence. 
There probably was. Yeah, it really hit big this commercial. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. The uh best part of Seven Up Gold, of course, Jay, were the red cans. Oh, the red cans. So they had beautiful red cans. Yeah, very high-end looking, very like five-star hotel looking. There used to be glass bottles that were like real tiny, like the mini glass bottles, right? But uh-huh. these for the seven up gold were a little bit like chubbier and they had a wrapper that was almost like a foam wrapper that you would have to like peel off and it was oh like a God. styrofoam oh yeah it just came back to me because yeah. there were a few sodas that came in that oh it was almost like you know what i mean when i say a quarter drink yeah so it was kind of like the soda bottle equivalent of a, of a quarter drink. It was kind of like that. Yeah. It was just such a weird memory that I had. But before you had mentioned that this guy is in the grocery store and he's getting real wild. He's just like grabbing tons of chips and like haphazardly throwing them into his cart. Completely out of control. That he's trying to like hit on business women. And it was just like, it was so 80s. I loved it. It, it was it was definitely very eighties. It almost came off like a like a scene from a montage in a romantic comedy or something. It totally was like that. But then when they pour the soda into a cup, it was it almost became like a beer commercial for a second. That's why, you, like you said, it was like really refined and made you feel like it was more important than soda. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they gave us the hard sell. I have to admit, though, like I'm still completely stuck on your styrofoam fucking foam label <laughs> memory. And it's all I can think about. I completely forgot about that. It was like they came built with their own koozie. It was amazing. Yes, it's like it's so. It was almost like that. I mean, you're. It's a little bit of an exaggeration, but just slightly though. Just slightly. They were always marketing stuff like Grey Poupon, which made you think that's like the rich people mustard. This was like the rich people Seven Up. Yes, a bit, but I mean, at least by the commercials rules, it's also like the seven up for the coolest people in town. <laughs> like you buy this and you went up the social ladder. Cybervision, the leader in personal achievement technology, now offers men's golf with Al Guyberger. This breakthrough video golf training program will enable you to dramatically lower your score and reduce your handicap as you pattern your performance after Guyberger's winning form. Just imagine how it will be in the not-too-distant future. Your drives, pitches, chips, and putts will be greatly improved. You're a better golfer thanks to Golf with Al Guyberger. Order now, and your teacher will be Mr. 59, the only man ever to shoot a 59 on the PGA Tour. A feat Sports Illustrated called the athletic achievement of the century. Al talks of his historic round as he gives you personal instruction on drivers, woods, long irons, sand shots, and putts. Order now and receive this stylish CyberVision t-shirt free. Order Golf with Al Guyberger for just $69.95. Remember our CyberVision guarantee. Try Golf with Al Guyberger for 60 days. If you're not satisfied, we'll return your money. No questions asked. Call the number on your screen now and get in the swing. Call and order Golf with Al Guyberger right now. All right, for my next ad, this one is for Golf with Al Guyberger by <laughs> Cybervision, and it's a VHS tape, Matt, basically like a self-help guide to improving your golf game. So I'm glad you're up to this one because I just got an OJ. What is up with you and Al Guyberger? <laughs> so 
<laughs> when I say the word golf, the word repulsion comes to my mind because like I hate golf unless it's mini golf. It's just not something I have any interest in. But seeing a commercial that begs you to learn golf with Al Guyberger. Al Guyberger. And it's from a video entry in the CyberVision series. This voiceover guy was incredible. He's talking about drives and pitches and chips and putts and it, how it'll greatly improve your game. I'm like, I don't know anything about this, but he shot a 59 on the PGA Tour. So I'm like, whoa, this is, I got to get in on this. If you have any shot at all at being like Al Guyberger, Jay, it, <laughs> you got to have Al Guyberger's golf video. Exactly. But then they're talking about this CyberVision t-shirt you get oh and i'm my like God, i'm I like what that. the fuck is cyber vision right so i realized that other commercials had cyber vision tapes and they build it as like this personal achievement technology it like it made you almost sound like a robot where it was you know like, it was almost like upgrading a, it was like a, you <laughs> it was like it was almost cultish in a way it totally was at the end of the day, CyberVision was the company behind a series of self-help videos. Yes. Who, under any circumstances, would rock the logo of that company? Oh, my God. I would totally wear that shit. That's a yeah, cool you say shirt, because man. it's all freaking neon and in your favorite colors. <laughs> but put that aside. When people ask you what CyberVision is, are you going to tell them the truth or are you going to say it's a band? Yeah, CyberVision. <laughs> it probably is a band. Yeah. <laughs> It's supposed to be this uh, self-help program, and it trains your muscles to do things in a certain way. What the tapes are is this guy doing a golf swing over and over from various different angles, nonstop for like an hour, set in different motions and to different songs. And that's all it is for an hour. You're supposed to just watch it and do it over and over in tandem with him basically be in your living room with your putter or whatever and you'd be trying to mimic al guyberger's patented al guyberger moves yeah so it's basically like swing the golf swing the golf uh what do you call it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're real big golf fans yeah. i can't th i'm i said putter because i club it's a fucking club <laughs> i was gonna say the golf stick <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, golf club. the golf club so you're just swinging it over and over and over again because he says if you keep doing that your muscles are going to remember if there are a thousand ways to make an al guyberger golf training video that is the cheapest and laziest way to do it <laughs> i have to tell you that the cover of the vhs tape is really why i wanted to bring this up above all else because it looks like an issue of Omni magazine from the 80s, which was like the science fiction uh, magazine. And okay, I'm, I'm looking it up now. Because I'm going to send you a, a picture. That way you could look at the, um, the photo. <laughs> and it's not a lot of money, you know? So if I still want to. Really? There isn't game, a big market for the. <laughs> oh my God. Whatever anyone pictures when they hear about an Al Guyberger golf video, this cover is not it. I'm like, dude, can this deal get any better? Cybervision t-shirts and a freaking science fiction golf videotape. There is a floating silver head with a lens flare in its eye over like a Tron grid. This is nuts. It's basically like Golf Tron on Atari. <laughs> yeah, it's what it looks yeah. like an Atari box. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the 80s, man. This tape? 
was sixty nine ninety five. If that was today, it would be one hundred and fifty one dollars. One hundred and fifty one dollars seems like a small price to pay if my game is going to get anywhere near the game of Al Guyberger Jay. That's what I'm saying. Yep. <laughs> Give it to me, Guyberger. Chicken month at Roy's. And now get a two-piece dinner, medium fries, a 15-ounce drink, just $2.99. So I think there were like six different fried chicken commercials in this episode, but <laughs> there really were. It was there like was. every, I, I don't know what the hell was going on with chicken that year, but Jesus. 88 was a huge year for fried chicken. <laughs> and probably the biggest year in fried chicken history. <laughs> but the, uh, the one commercial I want to focus on was the one for Roy Rogers. Mm-hmm. Mm, Roy's, you know, I was a fan back then, Jay. Oh, yeah. This episode uh, aired in July, so this commercial definitely had like a summer theme. Yeah, two guys in a raft being menaced by sharks. One of them's eating a bucket of Roy's. The other guy wants them to throw the sharks to chicken so they go away. And instead, the guy with the chicken sacrifices his friend so he can keep the chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of dark. It is dark, yeah. If this was us, I think we know who would be who in this scenario (laughs) yes i mean there's absolutely no chance that you would not be eaten by sharks by now (laughs) (laughs) it's true so i watched this commercial a bunch of times and only on like the 15th watch did i realize that the guy with the chicken Mm -hmm. that's christopher maloney is it really yeah from like law and order and oz and all that holy crap i didn't realize that I actually looked it up and he's done other Roy's commercials. I'm like, holy shit. So this is how you got your star buster. You were in the the, the shock tank with Roy's chicken. (laughs) Yeah. He really worked his way up. Yep. So, uh, I know like you definitely don't eat anything like this. And for me, it's become pretty rare, but can we at least agree that in its time, or at least in our time, Roy's was the best fried chicken. I never really liked fried chicken as a kid. Like I would always opt for some sort of burger, I was more in it for the fixins bar. Oh, the fixins. And I, bar. I remember like when you and I first started hanging out, I referenced Roy Rogers Fixins Bar and your eyes lit up like Times Square. Over the course of my life, I've had many instances where I loved Roy so much that I would eat it at the absolute wrong time. One time <laughs> I was on I had to go to um fucking whatever you call it, Grand Central Station in Manhattan. Whatever whatever you call that place where you take the trains. <laughs> yeah. And I was going straight to like a major business thing. And I ate the Roy's from the restaurant there right before this like (laughs) nine hour day because I wanted it so badly. (laughs) Make some hands greasy that day. That's what I'm saying. It's like there's nothing you can do after Roy's. Like you're doomed until a shower. And there I am like shaking hands with all my new compadres. And I'm definitely greasy. And you mentioned that you weren't a fan of fried chicken, but that's the thing, Jay. Roy's, at least back then, it barely was chicken. Like you would have to, you would have to get through three inches of like crunch before mm-hmm. you hit meat. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. It was uh, much 
much more of a classy flavor. Yeah. And as I always ask you in the car, like, all right, say you're going to die tomorrow. What's your last meal? All bets are off. My answer is always that two piece white meat value meal with the fries and the biscuit. Yeah. It's you always say that. Absolutely. When they started popping up again, like the new Roy Rogers. Yeah. They opened one by me. And for about a half a year, they had to like close a lane on the highway because the drive through was backing up all the way down. And so <laughs> the cops would go there every day to try to organize it all. But uh, then it died down and like no one ever went to it. And then they closed in like less than a year. Well, I mean, that's Royce for you. They burn bright and then they fade away. It's like <laughs> you, you, a star that is on, that on fire can't be in the sky forever. <laughs> But it has that mystical energy. I'm telling you, it just like it. Look at you now. You're like you're like your cheeks are rosy. Just I'm thinking just, about I'm it. Just, just sitting here smiling, thinking about this chicken, Jay. I gotta be honest. <laughs> like I'm thinking, hmm, is it the third food and fuel on the Jersey State Parkway? <laughs> I think it is. 45 minutes, I could be eating rice. <laughs> This is Johnson's. His keys. She saw them. Well, so what? I mean, they could have fallen here at any time. These are his keys. He uses them every damn day. She knows. She doesn't know anything. Martin. She said that she loves the baby. Isn't that nice? Okay, let's dip back into the uh, the episode for a minute, Jay. Yeah, let's do that. We'll check in on Mama and her baby. <laughs> um, for me, I think the most intense scene happens somewhere near the middle. It's where the uh, the dad tries to drown that babysitter. That was absolutely nuts, that scene. Oh, my God. So, yeah, so at that point in the episode, parents are worried that people are catching on to them. So babysitter like my well, nose i got it i got to stop you of course they're worried about it because the husband he's always like we just killed someone and he's like <laughs> he's, yeah. he's like literally leaning they live in an apartment building just yeah. to establish exactly. he's like leaning against the wall oh my i don't know if i can keep killing people exactly. honey. yeah i'm having problems <laughs> controlling the volume of my voice <laughs> it's totally true dad was not all in on this plan but mama was yeah so dad had to go to this babysitter's apartment. Of course, she's like three doors down and he climbs into it, like wearing a happy death day mask almost. Yeah. And she's in the tub. And then we get the most ridiculously protracted drowning ever. <laughs> this scene out of all the rest has such a different tone. It was done really well, actually, for, yeah, for like, that. It definitely was like evocative of a dastardly kill from like a harder edged horror movie. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like they could only go so far on network TV. So it feels kind of like Texas Chainsaw meets Three's Company a little bit. Right? <laughs> I'm going to see, I'm going to go the different way. I'm going to say they really did a good job on that scene. The rest of the show could have used some more work. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't get, I'm not saying that the episode itself didn't do a bad job in the scene. I'm saying that dad was a terrible murderer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's putting all he has into this. And that girl is never underwater for more than a second. <laughs> He wasn't the most adept at uh, 
doing this sort of thing you know he seemed yeah. like he was a pencil pusher at like an accountant firm yeah and as you established earlier i mean his heart was only half in it he wanted to save his baby but he didn't want to kill anybody and man did it show here because the girl does not die because he just is absolutely terrible at this yeah he's so bad <laughs> she doesn't die and like when they when they rescue her from this absolutely petrifying night that she had to go through it's like here come and stay at our antique store that's really creepy and dusty <laughs> shouldn't we call the cops nope just come with us yeah, in yeah, our just antique come, store. come directly to this dusty old store <laughs> we're seriously we're not you were just someone just broke into your place and tried to drown you and we're not gonna involve the police okay <laughs> So anything else about the uh, the midsection stick out to you? I think we really need to touch on something that is, for me, it's kind of the elephant in the room. Okay. And that is the scene where um, their older friend, the guy who is like the mentor or whatever he he does. Right, right. The, the doctor of style or whatever he is. He's yeah. the one that is like grandpa, essentially. Yeah. And his voice sounds like Robert Stack if you just close your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> now kids here's what we have to do yeah it's all of a sudden they're getting real serious and then that's when they're like so blah 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 passions around the titanic like when did the titanic go down tonight it went down tonight at 2 20 a.m like I what completely thought that of course who the fuck remembers the exact date that the titanic sank like it's on his calendar tonight the anniversary was tonight. It sank at exactly 2.20 a.m. Out of nowhere, remember, not only the day, but also 2.20 in the morning. Right. I mean, and let's forget the fact that leading into that, just, just the series of kind of like leaps of faith that would lead those guys to even ask the question <laughs> about when the Titanic went down. Right. That he knew, actually knew the answer. <laughs> like, I could go on a complete tangent and end with, oh, and who invented a bulletin board? And then you would come out with the inventor. <laughs> I'm telling you, right at this point in the show is where I was like, yeah, that was great and all, but I got to get going. <laughs> You'd be nice. <laughs> Troubled over relationships. Confused about a career? Ah! Don't pull your hair out. Call 54 All Zeros from any touchtone phone to receive your personal hot numbers daily from top numerologist Gene Simpson. Hey, you're going to attract love? So, before you do this, call 540 All Zeros, $1.50 minute, 50 cents each additional. Your personal number changes daily, so call 540-0000 every day. My next commercial, Matt, is Gene Simpson's Numbers Hotline. And have you ever heard of this previous to tonight? Uh, I, it's possible that I saw it as a kid. It certainly didn't leave a lasting impression on me. But now that I've seen it again, it's something. <laughs> I don't think at the time it mattered to me. But watching it back now, I do remember it pretty vividly. Because at the time, I remember having no clue what numbers meant back then. And I'm, I'm not really 100% clear, but I know... That it's a way of saying like you get your numerology or horoscope type situation told to you if you call this phone number. Okay, so I genuinely thought that you called it and got like 
the numbers you should play in the lottery. Yeah, like lucky numbers. Is that yeah. not what it is? <laughs> yeah, they do. But then they also tell you like what numbers signify in your life and all this stuff. So like if you tripped going up the stairs twice, then the number two is significant. And then you'd get a rundown of what will happen to you in the next day or two. Uh, that makes sense to me. Confused about your career? Personal hot numbers. <laughs> It, it, it doesn't seem to connect but yes that's yeah. what they're doing yeah this lady gene simpson no clue who gene simpson was but if you paid a buck 50 for the first minute and 50 cents each additional could possibly get a tip on a new career well here's the thing like yeah she she basically is upset about her job she takes a hammer to a pick of her and her boyfriend or husband or whatever so things are pretty uh bad for the woman in this commercial before she calls old genie Oh, yeah. Yeah. We get asked if we're having trouble with our relationships. And then you see a photo of a couple and like a sledgehammer, not even just a hammer, a sledgehammer slams into it. Right. It made it seem like the numbers were a life or death situation. Like if you if you are completely at the end of your rope, you yeah. got to call this number. Yeah. It's like we got the point. You're so angry. You don't have to demolish your living room with the sledgehammer and light newspapers on fire. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> She's using this like blowtorch that you use for like like chefs use for creme brulee. And like she got so fed up at the one ads that she just lit them on fire. Oh my god, she did you who uses a creme brulee fire thing when there's lighters all over every house? <laughs> oh man, yeah, pulling her hair out like yeah, shit was going down. And then yeah. once she called the number at this ridiculous phone number five four zero 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 zero, which no one before all zeros. Yeah, <laughs> your numbers change daily, so they want you to call back every single day. Uh, so I think it's pretty safe to say we could bump this hotline to the top of the list of businesses that are no longer feasible. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I mean, hotlines in general are gone, but a hotline of this sort, please. But then everything is a uh, happy ending and we see the broken frame miraculously get put back together in reverse motion, uh, utilizing Ooh, the I highest made that, that, that creative decision right there. Yeah. Like they probably utilize the highest uh, editing technology in 1988. They literally hit rewind in the shot of the sledgehammer hitting it to begin with. Yeah. And it's like, it's so bizarre. It's like, Oh, if I call this number, am I actually going to, undo time are we gonna go back in time <laughs> back in time yeah <laughs> gotta go back in time soap opera fans now you have a special service right at your fingertips <laughs> i can't believe he would do that call soap info on call and catch up on all the romance and intrigue of any soap you choose Good for her. It's about time. Soap Info on Call also gets you an exclusive preview of the next episode, plus news and gossip about your favorite soap stars. Oh, no. What's she going to do now? Call 1-900-999-9999. It's the next best thing to being there. Just 95 cents per minute, toll free. So you gave me a hotline. I'll give you a hotline. That's hot. And Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just for the record, like we're talking about two, but there were many more. This was a, a late night show and you just got hit with it over date lines, psychic lines, wake up calls, all kinds of shit was in this episode. Oh, definitely. The one that popped out to me, though, was that commercial for, I guess, soap opera recaps. Yes. <laughs> Look, uh, I mean, I'm not going to shade it 
just based on concept, both of us used to call wrestling hotlines if we missed a pay-per-view or something. Right. So I get it. It might be useful, but the execution in this commercial is just bizarre. (laughs) This lady calls the hotline and, you know, keep in mind, all you'd hear on the other side is a pre-recorded message. It wouldn't be like you're talking to somebody. Right. But she's interacting with it like like she is. <laughs> yeah, it's like making comments about the things that are being told to her. Right. Like it's like the, what does the phone narrator just know when to stop so that you can say, "Oh, I wonder how he's going to get out of this one." It, it it's just it's in, it's just nuts. Well, there's a point where I was like, "Well, wait, does she hear this voiceover guy that's talking to us?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that's kind of what happens cuz then she starts like kind of like playing back and forth with the voiceover. It's just not right. Yeah, it was really poorly done. <laughs> Did you um notice that living room? Oh, it was totally like old school, yeah. You remember when everyone used to throw those big skinny sticks into vases? Oh, yeah, definitely. She's got that going. And then she's got a framed picture of a vase. And I think it's like the same vase on the wall behind her. (laughs) It's like an obsession with this vase. You know, it probably wasn't even an actual room. It was probably just like a right angle wall. No, it totally was. Because like you only (laughs) see that little like wedge of cake of the room. (laughs) So, I mean, it's just wild, like you said, with your hotline to remember the time when you had to go through these lengths to find like stuff that you could just get online in one second now. But I feel like you and I sit here a lot and we talk about a lot of these what sound like ancient customs at this point, like the entire concept of soap operas back then. When we were growing up, stay at home moms, they would watch soaps on TV during the day. It was a huge deal, you know, and soaps are like almost non-existent nowadays. I don't know if they are or they aren't, but they certainly don't like uh, just like they're not in the zeitgeist or like a daily routine for like everybody of a certain nature like right. they used to be. Yeah, some I, of them now you mentioned it, like yeah. you would watch like an 80s sitcom. They would always have jokes about, oh, my God, I'm going to miss my soaps or, oh, my God, did you tape my soaps? Right. Like and, it was that big. And it was easy to remember because it was one nine hundred nine 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 nine. That struck me too. Of all the luck, I mean, you would imagine you'd have to pay a premium to get all nines. <laughs> I think, honestly, I really do think that Fox just sold cheap commercial time in comparison to the other New York stations. Well, it's eleven p.m. on Saturday night. <laughs> Come on. What do you think you're going to get? Like the first run? Oh, we're premiering the the new Terminator trailer tonight on Friday 13th, the series. But like these seem like the worst commercials budget wise in comparison to like other stuff we watched. They're all super fuzzy and they all like kind of look like neon purgatory because there's nothing going on here or there. It's just it's wild and it's great. This was 95 cents per minute. And that back then, that's expensive as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's say you missed three episodes of General Hospital. Like, you're gonna pay thirty seven dollars before you know what happened on them. Yeah. I gave you the lines. Seven lives! Oh, and we still got time! It's still more than eight minutes! Mercy, for God's sake! I found it somehow. I... No! Seven! 
the old antique dealer told me seven lives dying in water and then my baby would live. Okay, I think we are done with the commercial breaks, so let's wrap up the episode and quickly. Oh, are we're in a rush? No. Oh. <laughs> I just am hungry, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> the mom, the mama, she ends up killing her husband in yeah. this last-ditch attempt to save her baby. Doesn't work, so she leaps off a balcony into a fountain, dies, and satisfies the curse. Of course, there was some glitches along the way <laughs> yeah it wasn't a it wasn't a straight line but that's essentially the point here yeah. she's you know she's a bad woman but in the end she killed herself so that her baby could live right she did the right thing <laughs> yeah just, just for the super happy ending then we see that the babysitter ran off with the baby so the baby will be taken care of jay don't you worry yeah had a nice little ending there i have to say again i really liked this episode a lot it's made me want to see the rest of the show really yeah i mean because the thing is the show it doesn't really have a bad reputation it's like it has no reputation at all that's, that's so true yeah it's like nobody everyone might know what it is but nobody ever talks about it and i feel like just if this episode is any indication it's at least interesting you weren't the only person to have kind of a good vibe from this episode because i came across a lot of favorable reviews of this episode specifically this was a tentpole event. What a mother wouldn't do. <laughs> this is on a very special episode of Friday the 13th. <laughs> this is the one you won't want to miss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk about our favorite aspects of this episode. Yeah. I guess a uh, favorite thing about this episode that we haven't already talked about. Okay. That's how we're going to wrap everything. Yeah. So you want me to tell you mine? Yeah. Okay, so I don't know if mine qualifies as a favorite part exactly, but it's an observation that I thought you'd get a kick out of. Okay. The uh, the big bad dead uncle, you know, the guy who actually owned the antique shop originally and the one who created all these cursed antiques. He was very familiar. He appears in, in the show a lot, and he was played by a guy named R.G. Armstrong. Yeah. Does that name ring a bell for you, Jay? No, I got. I have to tell you. I know who he is, but I didn't even bother to look him up and see what else he did because I can't remember offhand what he's from. He played Pruneface. Oh my god, that's it's a Dick it. Tracy movie. That's it. Yep. Uh -huh. Wow, I'm rubbing him out. <laughs> I knew that he was familiar. <laughs> yep. And it's like as soon as I read that, I'm like, holy shit, it's so him. Pruneface. That's, that's a hell of a connection. I love yeah. it. We didn't discuss this, but I got the vibe that you were going to pick the promo for the next episode, which was oh like next God. time on Friday the 13th, the series. And it's like trapped in a tomb of terror on a one way trip to hell. It's an all new episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Next week, scream all you want. It is amazing. And that's what I'm saying. Cause those promos would kind of double as the actual like commercials that would air, you know, away from the episode. And if you look at that in a bubble, this looks like a really scary show. Oh, definitely. But that's not my actual pick. My actual pick was like the part directly after that, the, the credits roll. That's yeah. my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> you stop it right now. God, you're just playing the role of the contrarian. We're not just going to over here. You know, you fucking love this show. <laughs> I honestly would totally take a Tales from the Dark Side or Tales from the Crypt over this. 
I love Tales from the Crypt, but this this is much more my speed. I love these kind of moody, weirdly cheesy, but still kind of scary old shows. And Tales from the Crypt is never going to give you a commercial because it didn't have any. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. But I mean, I, I do think the episodes pop more when you watch them with the commercials and when they originally aired, it really gives it that extra zest. Do you really want to see the Friday 13th TV show like all spruced up? No, you want to see it grainy four by three. Totally, because I had a way different experience watching when I first got the DVD box set than I did now watching this. It was so much more, had so much more charm to it. Absolutely. So this has been the Purple Stuff podcast. Yes, our, our show about the Friday 13th, the series episode with some random commercials. How the hell are we going to sell this one, Jay? That was it. You just sold it perfectly. <laughs> I only have 280 characters to work with. <laughs> and uh, thank you for listening. We want to remind you we are on Patreon. Patreon.com slash purple stuff. Yeah. Head over there for our bonus show, which is really becoming so much fun. We love to do the bonus show. Yes. And there's one coming soon. Definitely. So this has been the Purple Stuff Podcast. I am Jay from the Sexy Armpit. I am Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. We'll see you next time. Thank you.